Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. All right, we are back. Episode 70 of Parker's MMA Show. Very, very exciting guest today. Uh, Alex Munoz is a 6-1 and one MMA fighter competing in the UFC's lightweight division. He has a fight booked next Saturday against violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena, uh, on the undercard of the Whitaker Gaslam fight night. He's a Dallas native fighting out of Sacramento, California in Team Alpha Male, one of the brightest young prospects in the UFC. Very excited to talk to him. So without ad- further ado, here's Alex. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thank you for having me. So, Alex, we like to get started here right at the beginning, right? So, obviously, we're North Texas guys. You grew up in North Texas. Talk about where you grew up and what life was like growing up for you. So, I'm actually from the colony, Texas. Most people don't know where that is. It kind of sounds like a cult, but I promise it's not. (laughs) (laughs) But the colony is near uh, Frisco, Plano area. Um, So, it's actually like 30, 40 minutes from downtown Dallas. Um. Man, it was great. It was pretty normal, like small town. Uh, you know, Dallas is Dallas is cool because it's 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 a melting pot. We got the biggest airport, one of the biggest airports in the world, probably in the U.S. Other than maybe like LAX or I think Atlanta is pretty big too, uh, or Miami. But yeah, it, it's uh, we get we get a little bit of everything there, so it was a great place. So talk a little bit about getting into wrestling. Um, I was actually at Bishop Lynch. I think from 2006 to 10, and I just remember that squad being like an absolute powerhouse, you know, over probably that 10-year span or so. So talk about um, eventually moving over to Bishop Lynch and being a part of that program and how that kind of prepared you to transition into fighting. Yeah, so I started wrestling late. I started my freshman year of high school, actually like the end of my freshman year of high school. And then... uh, I kind of just fell in love with the sport, and once I got started, I had, I had a great wrestling coach at the Colony High School, um, Steve Davis. He was an Oklahoma boy and knew, knew the sport really, really well, so I was fortunate. A lot of a lot of high school, especially in Texas, high school wrestling coaches, they're just kind of, it's like a football coach who gets pulled in to run wrestling or like somebody who doesn't really know a whole lot about the sport, and I was really, really lucky to get somebody who had a lot of knowledge of the sport and um, gave me a really good foundation to start. And then he ended up taking a job in Flower Mound. And because Flower Mound was another public school, I couldn't switch schools without uh, moving, without the whole family moving, which really was not an option at the time. So we started looking at other schools, and I was, I was wrestling with some club programs. I was doing Dallas Dynamite. And a little bit of training with Team Monday out in Forney, Texas, which is Kenny Monday's wrestling program. And I got hooked up with uh, some of my friends, Luke Silver. And um, they, they, he started talking to me and, and his brothers were talking to me about Bishop Lynch. And I already knew about Bishop Lynch. It was like the school that nobody wanted to wrestle. I think I got I wrestled Luke Atmore, who is who is a stud. Um, and he just smoked me my freshman year. And then, you know, you can't beat them, join them. So that, so that's what I, did. I, ended up, I ended up going over there. They were like ranked number two in the country, and they had an incredible coaching staff. We had 
Kenny Monday, who is arguably best wrestler. In my opinion, he is the best wrestler to ever do it. Um, then you have, we had Jamil Kelly there, who is a, an Olympian. He, he, and then we had, the year before I got there, they had Kendall Cross, who is a, another Olympic gold medalist. They had uh, like a Mongolian, like several time Mongolian world champ who is around my weight that would come in and train with us. Um, and then the club program I was at, we had Ty Wilcox. And I mean, the, the list really goes on and on. And for Texas wrestling, it's it's something that in that time, especially just it, you couldn't find it anywhere else. So I was lucky that I was able to come and, and be a part of that success that they were having. And that allowed me to start as a freshman in high school and really catapult up into like the national rankings, um, which was cool. We didn't really wrestle in Texas. Uh, Texas wrestling at the time wasn't very strong. So we didn't wrestle in Texas very much. And people, the other teams in Texas didn't like it when we would show up to tournaments. Um, you could tell. So we would go to Beats to the East, Final Four. Um, you know, we had Prep Nationals, which was, Blair was there in all the top schools in the country. We we would be at Ironman. And um, we were all over. Every weekend we were going to a different state. And, and not the easy states. We were always in Pennsylvania or Iowa or Oklahoma or like, the states that are known for having incredible wrestling. So we were able to wrestle at a very high level and one of the only schools in Texas to do it, which was really, really cool. So once, once you've done that kind of, you know, I think wrestling's great as a base for MMA, not just for the actual martial art, but like you said, it kind of teaches you this, you know, hard nosed competition focused mentality of, you know, I'm going up against the best. It's a grind. It's the long game, right, of getting better every day. How do you transition? What kind of sparked, okay, I'm a great wrestler. I'm really enjoying this high-level wrestling at Bishop Lynch. How do you go from that into I want to be an MMA fighter? Oh, man, that's – it was a long road, and it, and it wasn't – that the thought process wasn't like a quick switch. It was people would ask me, you going to fight after you're done wrestling? It's like, hell no, I don't want to fight. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to fight. I'm going to school. Um, I, and, I, and I ended up going to Oklahoma State and wrestling out there. And then even in college, I, people would ask me if I wanted to fight. And I was like, no, I really didn't have a desire to fight. Um, I ended up uh, finishing up at Oklahoma State and then going home. And I was, doing, I was getting into uh, sales, veterinary sales, selling medical equipment. And... Um, I took about three years off of competing and by the time I was done with wrestling, I was just done with it. I was, I was burnt out. You know, wrestling is such a grind by the end of it. I remember my last weight cut being like, this is my last one. Thank God. I, I don't got to <laughs> cut weight. And it was a rough one. I was like, I don't got to cut weight anymore. Life is good. Um, and you know, I got to the other side into the business world and I, uh, and I missed the competition. I missed competing and, and it, you still do compete. But it's a different kind of competition, obviously. And I spent, you know, about 10 years solely focused on wrestling. And now I'm doing, I'm selling medical equipment. And and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I got all, all of this knowledge in wrestling. And it all just is I, not gone to waste because I got a lot of sk life skills that I think carry, will always stay with me and carry over to whatever I do. Um, but... I really missed the competition. And I remember one day after work, I was, I was folding medical equipment 
And as I was folding the equipment, I was just like kind of by myself. And I started like reminiscing and like tearing up a little bit and like get, get into it. Like I got really, really sad and like really missed it. And uh, I remember just thinking like, man, ah, dude, it, it was just like, it, it was weird how sad I got. And then like two days later, I got a phone call from a buddy um, saying that Team Texas, or not Team Texas, Team Takedown in Texas, it was, it was near my house. Johnny Hendricks just got the belt. And I would train with Johnny a lot whenever he would come to Oklahoma State and, and he was getting ready to fight Lawler and he was getting ready for uh, back when he was you know, doing his thing in his prime. And we, we would train up there and get some good training. So I don't know how exactly it, it, it came. My name came up in the call, but long story short, they end up calling me and saying, Hey, we got a really cool thing going on here at team Texas team takedown. Um, we got, we basically turn high level wrestlers into world-class MMA fighters and they just couldn't have caught me at a better time. Like it was right after I was having these feelings, like really strong emotions. And uh, th- it was a really good deal. They told me they're like, you know, we'll, we'll, we're gonna get you a house. We're gonna uh, give you a gas card. We're gonna, you know, help. That we're gonna pay you to train weekly. We're gonna do do that. I mean, they just kept going on. We're gonna do all of these things. And these guys who were running it. They were very successful businessmen, and MMA was kind of their hobby. And I saw that they were able to be successful. They got they turned Shane Roller, they turned Johnny Hendricks, they, uh, Chaz Skelly, who's still in the UFC. Um, Razak, my buddy Razak, who's fighting on the same card as me, he fights right after me. Uh, he was my teammate over there. And, um, you know, it, uh, Mark De La Rosa is another one over there. Jared Roche, all, I mean, the list goes on and on. A lot of high-level wrestlers that they were able to turn into MMA fighters. And so I was like, shit, if I'm going to do this, it's now. And I started thinking, I got my whole life to sit behind a desk and, and do sales and do this stuff, but I got a very small window to chase this dream. I talked to my parents about it, and and my mom was able to force a smile and, and say, whatever you whatever, whatever you got to do. <laughs> and so that, that was cool. Like once I, I knew I had their support and their backing, um, which they've always supported me in everything that I've done. It was a lot easier to make that transition into MMA. And, um, I just jumped in both feet. And once, once I did it, you know, here we are today. Um, team takedown ended up fizzling out. Uh, the contract was, it was a good deal starting off. So basically, they take care of everything for you. They, they pay for all that stuff plus more. And, but then when you start making money, they're taking 50%. So that's when, you know, Johnny Hendricks, he was in there and he's making a million dollars to fight plus, you know, his endorsements and stuff. They're taking half of all of it. You got Chaz Skelly who's, you know, fighting all the time. He's, he's already like several fights in and he's still in the red trying to pay these guys back. Um, you know, they, they really kind of got you by the balls. Uh, and, you, you know, I never had any bad experiences with the guys at Team Takedown, but I know it's, some of them weren't having uh, a great experience with, with it. So I think a lot of guys, they, they, Johnny Hendricks ended up pulling out of his contract. He had a lawyer, found a loophole in the contract, and was able to get out. And then once he did, a bunch of other guys followed suit. And then I never signed anything. So once the team fizzled away, I was just like, all right, I'm 
free age. I can go wherever I want now. Um, so I started checking out gyms all over the country. I was flying around. I got I buddies from wrestling and that I was able to just kind of like reach out to. Hey, I'm going to be in town. You guys want to train? I'm going to check out this gym, blah, blah, blah. So I was in Arizona and I was going to, I was checking out Power MMA, which I think they have like Johnny Case was there. I was able to train with him. Uh, I was meeting my buddy John, uh, Jordan Oliver out there, who just made the Olympic team. Uh, Jordan. Yeah, he's a killer. Um, so I was visiting Jordan. I was staying with him, visiting Power MMA. I was gonna go. I was going to MMA Lab next, and then uh, Jordan, as we're sitting talking, he gets a phone call from Uriah, and Uriah just sent him out a bunch of tort gear and uh, a bunch, like a little care package. And they're talking on the phone, and Jordan's like, yeah, man, I want to come out and visit. Uh, I got my boy, Alex Munoz, here. He's a, he wrestled with me at Oklahoma State. But blah, 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 I started talking, and Uriah's like, yeah, bring Alex out, too. So I was like, yeah, you know, Uriah's – I've known about Uriah forever and looked up to him, just like I'm sure we all have. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I was, like, stoked on that. Well, when it came time to leave, Jordan had uh, – he had something come up and he couldn't make the trip and Uriah asked and I was like bummed out. I was like, shit, like, damn, we can't go. Maybe, maybe we'll go later. And Uriah asked if I would still be interested in coming. And I was like, hell yeah. So I, I ended up coming without Jordan. And, um, when I got here, I remember I, and Uriah didn't really know who I was at all at the time, other than like what Jordan told him about me. And so I wasn't expecting him to do too much for me. And, when I got here, I reached out to, I think, Dave, who is like the team dad out here. And he, I told him, I was like, hey, I'm about to land at the airport. And then Uriah pulls up in his Range Rover to pick me up. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is sick. Like, Uriah is just going to show up and pick me up. And then Uriah's like, yeah, man, you're going to stay with me. So I go and I stay at his house for a week. And him and I just hit it off. And he's like, we, we start talking. And he's telling me everything that he can do for me here at Alpha Male, which was like above and beyond what I was expecting him to do. And uh, he ended up basically asking me if you come out, we can get you coaching team Alpha, the team's wrestling program so you can make some money until you get into the UFC. And then once you start making money in the UFC, then you can just focus on fighting. And I was like, dude, that's sick. Like, yeah, 1,000%. I'm doing that. Um, so it went... I was actually stoked at first to work with Lance Palmer because I thought Lance was still here coaching the wrestling program. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to get to get coached by Lance. Um, and Lance is obviously a legend in the sport. So I was like, sick. Like, this is this is cool. And then once I found out Lance wasn't here anymore, it was a little bit bittersweet. I was like, cool, I get to coach. But shit, I'm not going to get to get coached by Lance. Uh, <laughs> so that was like a little bit, like I said, bittersweet. Um, I, I still wish that I would have got to spend more time under him learning MMA from him and, and whatnot, but uh, it was cool to, to kind of help alongside um, Danny Castillo, uh, coach the wrestling court, who is also a legend in, in MMA and UFC, so that, that was really cool, and then once I moved out here, then here we are today, everything kind of gone exactly how we planned. Had you fought yet by the time that you moved out to Alpha Male, like had you had amateur bouts and everything like that? No, so I didn't do any amateur fights. I uh, when I got to Team Takedown, I fought for like I trained for like a couple months, 
And then our head coach, Mark Lehman, who is also like, uh, and he was in like the first UFC's announcing and he's been around the sport forever. Great jujitsu coach. I learned a ton from him. Um, he was like, man, he's like, you're ready to fight. And I was like, all right, cool. We're going to take some amateur fights. He's like, no, we're going to get you a pro fight. And I was like, oh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, so, so I was, I was, I was a little bit like, oh shit, we're jumping straight into this thing. But I had such high level experience coaches that once I like, I could tell that they believed that I was ready, and and I knew they had been around the game for so long that I just fucking trusted them. I I believed in them, and I was like, all right, if they say I'm ready, then I'm ready. And I was doing good in the room and and going against really high level guys and and holding my own. And I knew that my first few fights weren't gonna be anything like the guys I was training with, and they weren't. So um, luckily, I was able to just kind of lean on them and 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 do what they were told me to do. So talk a little bit more about being at Alpha Male and just being around some of those guys, like you know Cody Garbrandt, Uriah, Chad Mendez. Before I don't know if you're around for Dillashaw, but just being around guys like that that have you know been around the sport for the last decade and fought at the highest levels. What does that do for you as a young fighter? It's motivating. It's crazy motivating, you know, that, and that's why I came to the team off males because these are all guys that like, I, I looked up to and like guys that I wanted to be around. I wanted to fight. Like I want to fight. Like, but I mean, like Chad is a sick fighter. He's explosive. He's a great wrestler. His striking is like on another level. Shout out Joey Rodriguez. Um, uh, our, our, the guy who's like basically put his hands together. Um, and the coaching staff was had like great energy. The whole team had incredible energy. Like I said, I wrestled at Oklahoma State. I've wrestled on a re- on a lot of really high level teams and competed on a lot of really high level teams. And the energy and the family like atmosphere that we have at Team Alpha Male, I've never experienced it before. And it was really really cool to get that and be able to like fight alongside Andre Feely and Darren Elkins and your eye favorite and, and like all these guys that, you know, I, I had been watching and, and looked up to and loved their fight style. And now I get to train with them and, and pick from their fight styles and kind of my own, you know what I mean? So that was a huge incentive was being able to train with, with some, some of like my heroes, so to, so to speak, you know what I mean? Sure. So, you know, obviously you're, you're now at alpha male at this point in your career, like you said, you're training with your heroes and you take your, your first fight, right? You know, no amateur fights, take your first fight with XKO, which is, you know, probably one of the more prominent, uh, at least in Dallas kind of local promotions. I mean, Parker and I are like fixtures at those shows now trying to find guys who are up and coming. What was that like for you? You're a brand new pro on the scene. You're fighting in, probably like the gas monkey bar or something, um, you know, for your first experience. What, what is that like? Like, was it, you know, was it like wrestling and you're kind of like, this feels normal or is this like totally new for you and you're a little starstruck or is it somewhere in between? Oh man, it was definitely not like wrestling. Um, it, it was so, first of all, XKO was awesome. They, they treated me really, really well. They, they made me, the, even in my first fight, I was the main event, and they kept me main event, like, every time I fought with them, which was, I thought, really, really cool of them to do. And uh, it showed that they saw something in me and some value in me that that kind of, like, helped me believe in myself a little bit more and think, like, okay, I, I belong here. I, I should be do, doing these things. Um, 
and, and I think you need people like that around you because it's a sport where you can get easily discouraged. Um, and it, it's a very scary sport. And if you don't have people that believe in you surrounding you, it's easy to have self doubt and stuff like that. So it's like, when I have these really high level teammates and coaches who are like telling me, yeah, you're ready, you know, and then promotions that are like, we're going to put you on the main card and, and do things like this for you. It really helps boost your self-belief and make, make you know that you belong there. Um, which, you know, Uriah talks about it all the time. He, he speaks with us after practice every single day. And, and he talks about like what it takes more than just being a great fighter uh, physically, but he talks about the mental aspect of it. And, and all of his conversations kind of center around self-belief and how you have to believe in yourself no matter what you're doing, whether it's fighting or whatever your job is. You, if you want to make it to that next level, like it's on you and you got to believe it before, you know, it, it's not just going to happen just unexpectedly. You know what I mean? So, uh, that was kind of cool to get that from XKO and be able to compete with them when they were able to put out, you know, they got, um, Oh, like, uh, what's his name? Trailblaze. Kevin uh, Holland. Kevin, Kevin Holland. Yeah. 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 They, they were able to get him. He's, you know, you see what he's been able to do. He started with, uh, XKO and, and Mark Delarosa, Montana Delarosa, uh, two of my teammates. And I believe Chaz started with them too. And, a lot of a lot of the, the fighters that came out of Texas started there, so they're great, man. I love those guys for sure. And then you know you you rattle off some wins at XKO, and then 20, 2018, you get what I imagine at that time was the biggest call of your career. You you get the call to fight Nick Newell in the Contender Series. Uh, Nick Newell's a very unique fighter for obvious reasons, right? As a congenital am- amputee, what what is your thought when you get a call? You're, you know, I believe you're, you're four and zero or five and zero at the time. You're, and they're, they're, they want you to fight this guy. Where at the time everyone's clamoring for Nick Newell to be in the UFC. Do you get the feeling that they're setting you up, or that you're kind of like, you know, it's kind of a weird dynamic? Like, talk to me about that moment when you get that call. Oh man. Um, first of all, I've always been a fan of Nick Newell. Um, Something that a lot of people don't know is I, I got a phone call what, like right when I moved out here to, to California, and they're like, hey, you want to be in a movie? And, and I'm, I'm like, I've never been in a movie before. Like, that sounds like it might be kind of cool. I, like, sure, whatever. Uh, what's the movie about? And they're like, it's about Nick Newell and his his rise to the top in MMA. And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Like, I, like Nick Newell's sick. They're like, all right, he's going to beat you <laughs> and they're like, you, get, you get in this cage and basically like he's gonna um you're just gonna get in there and y'all are like having a fight and it's a montage and like he's going through and beating up these different fighters and and you're gonna be one of the guys that he beats um so so what do you think and like i'm like cool let's fucking do it and and i never thought that i would be fighting him at this at this point so like i i go up there and i'm like this is sick i get to be a part of like nick Noel's story and uh in a, in a positive way and, and i was really excited about it i think that what he's done for the for himself and for the sport and for the the people around him and the people like him um and, and it's on another level and it's really I, I really really respect it and being able to be in his movie i was like super super stoked and then so they, they like go and they're like here he's gonna you're gonna 
dude, that's Nissan Beach. And I was like, whoa, he's got sick guillotines. Like, what if he guillotines me? <laughs> and so like, I was like, I'll shoot in and he'll guillotine me. And they're like, all right, all right. And it was Cody Christensen was the main actor. Uh, I don't know if you know who he is. He was like Teen yeah. Wolf. Um, he's like a, like a teen heartthrob, I, I guess. I didn't know who he was leading up to it. And then I got to meet him and started. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's a real deal. Um, so, you know, we go through it and we teach him how to like lock up a guillotine. And, and, we, and then he chokes me out and I'm sitting there in the cage. And then like six months later, they offer me the fight. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh, it's such a great opportunity. I wish it was anybody else. Because um, it really, it's, I, it's, it was a tough fight to take. And a lot of people don't know who Nick Newell is. They don't realize that he's a veteran of the sport, that he's like actually a really sick fighter. Um, and, and they're just like, oh, he, he's got one arm. Like, this is an easy fight. If he loses, he's trash. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I knew that was everybody's thought process going into, like, at least, like, uh, casual fans. Like, that, that's, that's what they're thinking. And so I'm like, fuck, I have to win this fight. And not only that, like, I'm a big, like, per- I'm a big, like, I visualize a lot. Um, my dad taught me as a kid, like, always to visualize. He, he would tell me, if you can see something in your head, you can make it happen in real life. And he would tell me before bed to visualize um, – whatever sport I was doing, visualize doing, doing the techniques perfect. And, and, and he would have me watch people who could do it perfect. And he, he would have me imagine that it was myself. And, and like, we did this a lot growing up. And, uh, so I just filmed a movie where I got choked out with <laughs> and then I had to fake you know, like being like, oh, I just lost. Like in my head, this is the visualization that I've done so far. So I'm like, fuck, I got to like really, uh, I got to drill something else into my head. So I had to, you know, I, I like I do for every fight, I started visualizing it every way. You know, sometimes it's a grind like it was like a three round, like just uh, dog fight. Sometimes I, I visualize it and I see like a quick knockout. Sometimes I visualize it's quick submission, like. Um, but no matter what, when I visualize, I'm, I'm always get, I'm always finishing the fight and getting my hand raised. And at first, that was difficult to do because these like because I actually went into a cage and had these experiences. Like I would start doing my visualization, and I would just like like go back to that film, that set, that TV set. Be like, shit, I gotta like wash this out of my head. And uh, it was something I was able to do. And um, also before that fight, two weeks before that fight, I tore my ACL. So I was sparring and, and we did six rounds of sparring and I was feeling like really, really good leading up to the fight. And, and I was like, I want one more round. And I asked you, right, if I could get one more round. And in that last round, I, I my ACL just, and, and it was gone. And so I was like, fuck. And Uriah did a good job of like getting in my head and being like, dude, you've done everything that you need to do to be ready for this fight. Like you are ready. Just relax. Just, just take care of the knee for the next two weeks. Just make sure we're doing everything we can to get your range of motion back and to, to get ready to get in there and fight. And I was just like, fuck, okay. And so that's what we did. And it slipped out a couple of times leading up to the fight. And then I remember the the doctor before the fight, they like had me go through all this testing. I was like, fuck, I hope they don't ask me to like squat because they do like a physical evaluation of you. And it came down to the part where I had to squat. And she goes, all right, do a full squat, heels to butt. 
And as I started going down, somebody asked her a question and she looked away and I just like stood back up. And then she was like, all right, and now do that. And she like asked me to do the next thing. I was like, oh, thank God. She didn't do the squat. <laughs> and so I, I didn't have to do the squat. So I was, I was cleared to go fight. And uh, I remember when we were fighting, I was circling, I believe, left. I was, and, and I couldn't, as I was circling left, I went to plant and my knee slipped out and slipped back in. And it hurt really bad. And I was like, oh, shit, I can't circle that way. So I stopped going that way the rest of the fight. And then um, I was like, I need to take him down. I like have to get him to the mat because I can't stand and fight. Um, so like I got, I pushed him to the cage and I went to like step and lift him. And then my knee slipped out and slipped back in again. And I was like, fuck. So I dragged him down to the mat and I, I stopped trying to do lifts and I stopped like doing stuff where I had to put pressure. And I spent most, pretty much the rest of the fight on my knees. Like I remember that like, I just like mat burn all over my legs. Cause like every time he tried to get up, I was just like, fuck you. Like, no, back down back down and it's like trying to like just keep him there i was like please don't get up um and so yeah that was that was really valuable experience for me uh where like kind of everything went wrong leading up to the fight but we we're still able to to get the job done and, and make it happen so that was that was cool all right so let's keep this rolling we got a couple more for you and then we'll get you out of here but um oh, i want to talk um about you suffering your first pro loss and how did you deal with that mentally and how do you get yourself back in the right state of mind to walk into this fight next week? Yeah, man. So it's tough. Losing is obviously incredibly hard to deal with. Uh, but fuck man, I've been, I've been competing my whole life. Like, like everybody's like, Oh, this is your first loss. You know, but, but it's not my first loss. Like I've lost, so many times like it took so many losses to get to where i am now it was my first loss in mma but like i've i've lost in everything that i've done in life like like it's just a part of it man like you fucking lose uh and and something that kenny monday told me a long time ago i remember it was like one of my first sparring sessions and dude i got my ass whooped like bad really really bad i just got beat up like just shit kicked out of me for 15 minutes and like afterwards i was just like sitting against the wall and just like kind of defeated and and like where do i go from here and coach monday came up to me and he was like hey man that cross you landed was dirty he was like that cross was so nice he was like that was the nicest cross i've ever seen you land and i was like yeah but what about the fuck what about the rest of it and he's like, he was like, look, man, if you want to be great, and this isn't a, uh, an Olympic gold medalist talent, this is the best wrestler to ever do it. Like the best, this is like, I've been looking up to this guy my whole life. Um, and he's telling me, if you want to be great, you have to have a short memory. You can't sit here and, and dwell on the fact that like, like, that you just got beat up. Like it's going to happen. You're going to take your lumps and your bruises, but if you're going to be great, you have to have a short memory and you need to focus on the things you're doing well and let those things drive you to keep going and keep going. Um, you can't just sit and, and cry over spilt milk. You know what I mean? So that, that's always been my mind. And then, and he had been with me for years before that. He was my high school coach. He was my coach when I wrestled at Oklahoma state. And then when I joined team takedown, like after a few months of being at team takedown, they're like, Oh, guess what we're bringing on to be the wrestling coach here. Kenny Monday. So then he was my coach again at Team Takedown, which was like, it's been a blessing. And he's been in my corner for almost all of my fights. Um, 
So, so to have him with me and, and giving me this advice, it's like, who am I going to listen to myself or, or, or him? You know what I mean? Like definitely him every single time. So, so having that, uh, that kind of influence helps me overcome these losses and helps me overcome these bad days and, and all the things that are guaranteed to happen when you do something long enough. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, and look, I think it's not just Kenny Monday who's telling you to have a short memory. I think the UFC matchmakers have a short memory because they got you booked against a, a, as high a profile guy as you get at this kind of level of the sport, right? I mean, Luis yep. Pena is very well known. What do you make of him as a fighter? How do you expect this fight to look? And kind of how do you rate him um, And as far as how this matchup works out for you? Yeah, so he is obviously a great fight they're, they're all great like we're in the ufc now like everybody's like oh you got a, you know you got a tough opponent they take like and people always say that like my last four fights ever since Newell, they're like oh you got a tough opponent and i'm like no shit man that's what we would like we got it <laughs> we got it they're all they're, everybody's good now like and they're gonna be um i i know this i i i want that i, I don't want to fight bums i don't want to fight cans i want to i want to test myself and i want to prove myself at the highest level and that's what i do every day in the room i got like i said i came to team alpha male because i want to fight with clay guida i want to fight with with uriah i want to fight with andre feely i want to fight with darren elkins because these are the baddest dudes on the planet and i'm competing with these guys i i'm doing well in the room with these guys so because i know that like you know what? I, you're not going to tell me that Luis Pena is better than Andre Feely. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm training with that dude all the time. So, if 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 it's not a problem to get to stand across from him, it's not a problem to stand across from from Pena. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, we have to we have to honor. You know, he's 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 good on the ground. He's he's good on his feet. He has things that he does really well, but he also has things that he doesn't do very well. And so instead of focusing on what does Pena do, what's what's he going to do, what's he going to bring to the table, um, I'm more focused on what I'm going to do and and my strengths. And, like, at the end of the day, this dude's locked in the cage with me for 15 minutes, not the other way around. All right, let's move. Um, we got two more for you. So for the rest of the year, um, what are your personal goals, both in fighting and just your personal life? Hmm. <laughs> um, at the end of the year, I'd, I'd like to get a few more fights in. I'd, I'd like to fight Pena, get away, get my hand raised, and then turn right back around and fight again, um, and and then get another one. I'd like to fight two or three times this year, and then, um, you know, something I'm always trying to do is just have a lot of balance in my life. You, you know, we it's a very high stress job, um, and I've done a lot better in the recent years handling the stress and the anxiety and and I, and having experiences like the Nick Noel fight where I tore my knee and like everything went wrong but we're still able to make it happen like when, when these fight camps happen and and things don't go right which, which they very rarely do very rarely do you have a fight camp where like everything goes as planned and, and like it's perfect um it's it's a good reminder that like it doesn't need to be perfect. It's this, these things are supposed to happen. These these little dings and that happen and these these little setbacks that happen in camp like that's what propel you forward. And these are the things that we need to to be great. Um, so 
making sure that I got balance in the room. I'm balancing my hard work, like work hard, play hard, right? Um, don't can't play as hard as we work, but make making sure that like I, I have my my vices that uh, healthy vices. You know, I have my, my artwork that I, that I like to do, and um, I like. Uh, you know, mountain biking, get, getting out in the mountains and getting out, like kayaking, like all the getting out and doing the things that are, are calming to me and kind of bring me back to being myself outside of the cage are really important. And so just maintaining that balance and like not making sure I'm not taking things too seriously because it's, it's really easy to take things too seriously in our sport. Like we're training, I'm training seven days a week sometimes and I'm, I'm, and three, four times a day, a lot of times. And, and it's, you know, I, I wake up, I'm thinking about the fight. I go to practice before I go to practice. I'm thinking about what I'm going to work on and, and the, the different facets of the fight and, and how we're going to improve. And then in practice, you know, I'm completely dialed into what to, to, to fighting. And then I leave the gym and I'm thinking about, all right, what did I do? Right. What did I do wrong? Um, and how am I going to improve for the next practice? And then, what do I need to do to rest and recover and heal so I can be ready for the next practice? And then I get to the next practice and, and it's the cycle starts all over again. What do I need to do in this practice? What do I, and then afterwards, what do I need to do to recover? And then before bed, I'm visualizing for the fight and doing this 24-7 can be good sometimes, but also you need other things to pull you away from that. And to relax your mind and get you in like a different mind state and remember that there's there's more to life than fighting and there's more to life than than your job or what you know what I mean? Like um so having that balance between staying super, super hyper focused, but then also like remembering like I, even though I'm working my ass off to get to this next level, like fuck, I'm life is good right now. Like it, remember to stop and enjoy it and like spend time with my family and and my and, and my dogs over here and like, <laughs> do the thing do the things that really bring joy to, to, to myself yeah that's that's a great transition alex we always end the show with uh, a set of five five rounds of rapid fire questions we try and keep oh, it to right. stuff that's not <laughs> about mma so um i know one of your big interests is art so yep. i have five rounds of art-related questions for you oh, here. Um, rapid fire, just first thing that comes to your mind. Um, let me know when you're ready. Ready. All right, first question. What age did you first start doing art projects? Oh, same age you did, like kindergarten. <laughs> my, dad is, my dad is an incredible artist. He had, had me, like I, I remember just like as a kid, just sitting over his shoulder and he, he has like a really, really fast hand and it's super entertaining to watch. So I, I would just sit on the couch, like, like leaning on the, the arm of the couch, like looking over his shoulder while he's laying there. And he's just like moving on the sketch pad, like make, putting stuff together. And it was like magic trick to me, uh, watching him make turn, make these shapes and lines and the animals and, and people and different things. So I started right away. What is your favorite medium to work with and why? pencils pencils and pens um because that's how i started i was i was never like i had certain classes in school that i enjoyed and i would focus in 
and and like and it wasn't even really the classes it was the, i had certain teachers that i enjoyed and, and teachers that could teach to me and understood how i learned it and made class fascinating but most of them weren't like mo- most teachers had trouble like keeping me focused and keeping me like i was a kid who was always like can i go to the bathroom every single every single class period just so i could go walk the halls and like look into my friends like classrooms and like try to distract them and like you know mess around i'm always sitting by the window and like doodling on the corner of my papers and that's where i i really started uh sketching was on my homework and in my notebook and that's that's where it started really for me who is an artist that inspires you and why? Abs- uh, first and foremost, my dad, for sure. 1,000% my dad. He's um, Because of how talented he is and, and because he's the one that got me like hooked on it and obsessed with it. And when it, like, I wanted to be like him and I wanted to be able to draw like him. And um, he's, he's the one that got me started. So definitely him. What is your favorite piece you have ever done? Ooh, that's tough. So I just did a Medusa one that's super cool. And I actually didn't start it. Uh, my girlfriend started it. And she's a, she's an incredible artist herself. Um, and she does a lot of things better than me. Uh, painting, for instance, is one of them. I, like I said, I always doodled and like did stuff on my notebook. But I, I never really mess with paints because I, I can't just like be in math class and bust out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my, my paints out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, she's really good at blending colors and doing things. And so she started a Medusa piece. And then we, a lot of times we start things and then they just like sit in the garage and we don't touch them again. And she started it and it just sat there. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop. We both started getting after it. And we ended up uh, like using clay and making like a 3D Medusa sculpture that turned out like, Honestly, like it, but like there were steps in it where I was like, we should quit. This looks awful. And then by the time it all like came together, I was like, holy shit. Like we were both really blown away with what it turned into. And that's what I really like about art is it's like fighting, you know, or anything that you start doing it at first you do it and it's so shitty and, and you're just like, oh, I want to quit. This is awful. And I still have a closet full of like bad paintings and like stuff that I hate. Um, but it's cool to like see that transfer. Like once you work through those shitty parts, then then you the beauty starts to come out, and then you start to get excited about it. And you're like, oh, this is this is what I was visualizing, and this is what I was seeing, and it's happening. And that happens in fighting, and it happens in everything. And that's why I, I try to encourage people to to try to sketch stuff because everybody says the same thing. Oh, I could never do that. I don't have a creative mind. I I can't. Every time I try to draw something, it looks so bad. And what they don't realize is every time I try to draw something, it looks so bad up until a certain point. There's always a point where I'm like, oh, I just want to, I don't want to do this anymore. It looks awful. But like once you push through that point, then it, it ends up t- turning into something you really love. And uh, so that, that's that's a big motivator for me to do the stuff I do. And the last question I have for you, Alex, would you rather be a UFC champion or a world-renowned artist? A UFC champion, absolutely. Um, but my, and the reason there was a small hesitation, instantly in my head, UFC champion, but there was a small hesitation because long-term, I, I want to be both. I would love to um, retire from fight, because obviously I can't do this my whole life. Um, but painting is one of those things I do because 
it's something I can do after a hard day of training and it's not going to like take a toll on my body. I can just sit on my butt and, and paint and it's relaxing to me. It's fun. Other people, it's to the point now to where um, other people are enjoying the art. So that's super cool. Um, and, and I'm actually able to make like a, a decent living just on the art. I've sold way more art in these last two years than I would have thought I'd, I'd sell in 10 years, which is really, really cool and unexpected for me. Um, and I think that the more I fight and the more my, uh, the, be- the more successful I am at MMA, the more successful of an artist I'm going to be because it's a platform to get that art out, which is, which is really cool also. So that's the end goal world champ and then just paint and draw and live out in the mountain and just do my artwork for till the end of my days <laughs> you heard it here first folks alex munoz gonna be the first world champion to have a painting in the moma so uh, <laughs> you know it. very excited alex thank you so much for coming on um thank if you, you. want to let the people know where to find you on social media and then any shout outs you have now be a great time yeah uh, on social media really instagram is I, with social media being as time consuming as it is, I, oh, I'm really only on Instagram. So you can find me there on Alexander Munoz 55. Um, and I post all my artwork on there from time to time. We're also starting a website with Corey McKenna and Uriah Faber is actually also a very good artist, but we got a few people on the team. Um, Corey, who's also just gotten to the UFC. She's an incredible artist. And the three of us are putting together a website. Um, it's going to be, you, I think I think what we settled on was UFC, which stands for Ultimate Fighter Canvases. So you, they can't they can't sue us for that one. <laughs> yeah. So um, when the, when the website's up, I'll be sure to post it on my page, and and you can find some of my artwork on there too. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much again. You're fighting next week uh, on the on the undercard of Whitaker Aslam um, against the. Very, very exciting fight. Very exciting for the future of the lightweight division. Um, Parker, anything else before we get out of here? Hey, go Friars. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Parker's MMA Show, episode 70. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you again to Alex for being our guest today. And looking forward to speaking to you after your fight, Alex. Hey, thank you so much. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for having me on. Good luck, brother. Bye-bye. We'll see you. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit ParkerKeen'sMMAShow.Podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.